0: So today, Ralph and I are sitting down together. Hi, Dad. Hi, Britton. Um, as you guys probably know, but maybe not, Ralph is the founder of Avid Cruiser. Um, and I, I just want to talk a little bit to you today because I feel like, you know, a lot of our readers have kept up with the site for a long time. And obviously, it's something that I've known all my life, and you know. So we have a lot of people who've been looking at the site for a while and kind of and and know you. But I also want to give some of our newer readers maybe um, a little bit more of a background into how the site started and who you are, and what you do and why you do what you do. Um, and so I know that's a lot of a lot of things at once, but um, I guess <laughs> we'll kind of just start by you know, like, why did why were you interested in starting? a a site about travel or you starting writing about travel because before you started the site you were just writing print
1: yeah well it was an evolution and I'll go back to my childhood days when I found myself fascinated by a series of children's encyclopedias it was called Childcraft and some of the older members in the audience might remember that so I was just fascinated by those books, and then later on we got World Book in our house, which was also uh, encyclopedias, and I found myself being fascinated by the destinations. And then, of course, you know, the next thing was National Geographic, and that just that just instilled me with this loss, this wanting to explore, and uh, and so you know, my my father actually he worked for Southern Railway, and uh, I would work with him when I was young. And then he went into the logging industry. And if there's one thing that can inspire you to travel, it is to get out of the logging industry. (laughs) So that was my motivation. And so, um, you know, I actually worked with him during the summers. And so I would work with him and I would train for this big trip that I was planning. And by training, what I mean is that at lunchtime, I would take off my logging boots and I would put on a pair of running shorts and running shoes, and I would run 5 to 10 miles. Now I was 18 or so at the time. And then and that was in preparation for a big trip that I was planning. And it was a trip to bicycle across America. Now, this is a long way to tell you how I got into travel. But that's where my love of travel started. And, uh, you know, I, I cycled across America. I basically traveled for seven years. So, you know, my, my, I told my father, I said, I'm just going to ride across the country, get this out of my blood, out of my system, and then I'll come back and we'll resume logging. Well, once I rode across country, it was 40 days across. Once I got across the country and had this wonderful experience, I was like, there's no way I'm going back. And I called him to say that, um, Dad, I'm having a great time. I'm going to continue up the West Coast and then back through Canada. Well, six months later, I returned back home. So, you know, having done that, I could never go back into that profession with him. So I continued to travel. I would make trips to uh, Mexico with a backpack. I planned another trip across country. Uh, I, I bicycled to Nashville, Tennessee. And then actually there was a company called Auto. I think it was called Getaway or something like that. The idea was that people were relocating from the East Coast to the West Coast and they needed somebody to take their car because they had a moving truck and they might fly out or whatever. So I found a doctor who needed his Porsche relocated. So I broke my <laughs> And I actually met with him, and he said, yeah, he said, that's fine. You look like a trustworthy young man, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Take the car, and I'm even going to give you three weeks to get there. So here's the keys to the Porsche. Enjoy it. So I broke down my bike. I put it in the back of the Porsche, and I began this journey across country in the car, this time with my bike in the back. And I remember I had a friend in Vail, Colorado, and there were massive mudslides in Vail, Colorado that summer. And he managed a uh, condominium complex, and he he needed help digging the mudslide away from the condominiums. So I would show up each morning in my Porsche, and I I would get out out of my car, and I would help him dig the mud away from the condos. And then I continued the journey across, and I got to San Francisco and returned the car unharmed. The doctor was glad to see me. And in San Francisco, I actually lived with a friend of mine on a tugboat that he was restoring into a pleasure yacht. I did that for six months. I got a job after that working at Berkeley uh, as a security guard at a bookstore. So what I would do is just stand there and check the bags of people who were coming into the bookstore. It was the easiest job in the world. I would actually bicycle from Alameda, California to Berkeley every every day over Grizzly Peak. So, you know, I just kept in shape for my bicycling, and that was a, that was a great experience uh, living out there. So from there, I traveled to New Ze- Tahiti, New Zealand, and Australia by bicycle. I mean by, I'm sorry, traveled to Tahiti, New Zealand, and Australia. Uh, I camped in Tahiti. I bicycled for three months in New Zealand, lived for three months in Auckland as well. So I was there for a total of six months. And I met people like in New Zealand, for example, I was taking the ferry from Auckland to um, just across the water there. I met two other guys who were cycling the country, too. One was a Dutch racer, and uh, he was actually relocating to Australia to be a bookbinder. They needed bookbinders, so they gave him a huge incentive to come to Australia and live. And the other guy, and I remember their names, this guy's name was Gerard, and then there was a guy from Liechtenstein named Urs Nip. And uh, Urs only made it for about a week, and he got homesick and went back home. Gerard and I pedaled for three months in, uh, on the North and South Islands of Australia, uh, of New Zealand, I'm sorry. Then I went to Australia, and I cycled a bit uh, along the Australian coast, and also met with a friend of mine there, whose name is Rusty Morton. Great name, huh? And so Rusty and I, we bought a little van, and we cycled, uh, I mean, we, pe- we drove it up the remainder of the East Coast of Australia, which was a great trip. So I continued a pattern like this for seven years. And I remember I had gone back to Australia for the second time many years later, and I was riding my bike up the coast. And I just remember stopping one day and thinking, what am I going to do with my life, the rest of my life? And I decided to go then back to journalism school. Well, actually, what I decided was I wanted to be a travel writer. So I went back home. I actually went to Asheville, North Carolina, where I live now. And I went to UNC uh, Asheville, University of North Carolina at Asheville. And I enrolled in creative writing classes, photojournalism classes, those sorts of things. And then I'm like, hey, I'm not going to make any money doing creative writing. I'm going to study journalism. So I transferred from there to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, to go through their journalism program. And that is a very long way of telling you the first part of the story. And there's a second part of the story, but I'll, I'll give you a break and let you let you ask any questions there.
0: Okay, well, when I'm listening and not talking, that's enough of a break for me. Um, you know, my, I think that It's, it's so interesting. And every time I hear this story, I feel like I learned something else that I didn't know. And there's always parts that are added in. Um, And so it's interesting to hear this, but just hearing you talk about this and, and how you kind of gained this this love for travel and i loved the part of the story where you said and i told my dad i'm just gonna bike to california from north carolina (laughs) like that's just gonna be the the short task of the day but you know right i wonder how you know i of course you said you would continue but i i wonder how that kind of love for travel turned into cruising and i'm sure that you'll get there but I I think that that's kind of interesting is that you were biking yeah. and that you were doing all these and driving yeah. and then and then you started cruising. So, you, yeah, keep going. So,
1: yeah. So if I just want to say right up front, if I had had it my way, if I could have chosen any path that my life would have gone on, it would have been to stay in biking. It would have. And I bike every day now. I just love it. It's so therapeutic. It's enjoyable. I, biking is wonderful. And. I think that I would have started a company kind of like Backroads. That would have been my dream, to start a company like Bike Backroads, where I take people out, bike touring and that sort of thing. But when I graduated the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, I was walking down the hallways there at Howell Hall, and I remember looking at a bulletin board and seeing a job posted at Pace Communications in Greensboro. And they were looking for somebody to work at – A travel agent magazine, which was called ASTA Agency Management. The year was 1990. I was 32 years old because I'd started school late because I'd been traveling. I went down to Greensboro and I interviewed and I got the job. And I began the career writing about the most boring of all things like car rental agencies and, you know, how to manage your travel agency. And I did a number of those stories, and then one day somebody asked me, they said, well, we've been invited, uh, our magazine has been invited to do a cruise. Would you like to do it? And I said, gladly. And I knew nothing about cruises back in those days. And it's
0: hard to believe. I,
1: yeah, and <laughs> so that was 29 years ago. So I went on the cruise and I loved it. And one thing after another, it just, I, you know, they, we liked the story you wrote about this cruise line. Well, you go on our cruise line and write about us. And so it just sort of snowballed. And, uh, that's, that's how I, you know, I started cruising and became sort of started becoming an expert at it in 1995. I, quit the job at Pace Communications, along with the editor, Michael Driscoll. Michael and I launched a publication called Cruise Week. It was went out every week to travel agents, and it was a big hit, and it still, it still runs today. And then I saw a need. Uh, travel agents were telling me, we need somebody to write consumer content for us and create a newsletter and send that out so that we can send that out to our clients, And so your mother and I started that business. I did all the writing. She did the layout and design. It was a really tough business because you and your brother were young. You were 18 months apart. You were living at home. We were on these deadlines. And I remember at times being in the car on the way to FedEx trying to make a deadline because we were printing with the computer in my car on the seat beside me burning a a CD so that I could get the CD in the FedEx envelope and shift off to the printer by the deadline, which was at seven 30 and I usually arrived at eight and thankfully they were still open at night. So it was a stressful business. So we did that. We did that. And then, um, then I, I started taking a little bit of the content online. In 1997, I bought the uh, Avid Cruiser domain, avidcruiser.com. Now, at the same time, I bought the avidtraveler.com. My desire, again, was to be a traveler, not a cruiser. So, But it never happened because the Avid Cruiser just got busier and busier and busier. And the way it evolved, it just evolved into a website and then a magazine, which was a really good magazine. We love producing that magazine. And then in two thousand six or two thousand seven, it just became completely a website. Completely a website. And uh gosh, there were years where, you know, I was doing ten, twelve cruises a year there. It's just incredible once the website launched.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> you were yeah, I mean you were gone you were traveling a lot when I was younger. Yes. Um, and I don't know if I I know actually for a fact that you do not have a number, but that you've done so many cruises. And I, I think it's funny that you kind of mentioned that you were pulled into the cruise industry almost, you know, and that you were kind of focused on travel in general. And I think that you can see that in a lot of what you produce is that you do these port profiles and things like that where you're looking at other aspects of travel and, and how to get places. And and so you can still incorporate that a little bit, but it really did just turn into this cruise driven and focused thing.
1: Well, yeah. And another place that I think, you know, there's not only, okay. So travel encompasses so many things. There's a love of place. There is a love of the exotic, of being in a place where you wake up in the morning and you don't recognize any of the languages that are being spoken or what's on the breakfast buffet or that sort of thing. And there's also a love of people. You know, there's a love of people. And throughout my career, I wrote quite a lot about people and also took a break in 1998 to write about someone I admired very much, a man named Charles Kuralt. And Carroll was a uh, he was a reporter for CBS news. He did a um, He did 600 episodes of a, um, a nightly uh, or, or weekly news. Well, it was nightly some but but it, it was called on the road And it was a Emmy winning program that he did And basically what he would do is travel down the back roads of America and meet ordinary people doing extraordinary things well, Carrault had this love of people. He was a masterful storyteller with an incredible voice. So he he had a love of people. In fact, when he worked for the Charlotte News in Charlotte, North Carolina, as a young man, probably 19 years old or so, he wrote a column called People, where he would just walk out on the street and interview the man on the street. So I, I wrote a book called Remembering Charles Carrault, where I interviewed all of his friends, family, and colleagues, Names that a lot of people would know: Walter Cronkite, Bill Moyers, Andy Rooney, you know those sorts of people. But also compiled all of his stories that he wrote for the Charlotte News, in that column called People. There were 170 columns. I found 169 of them. So there's one missing, probably in an attic somewhere. There might be an issue of that Charlotte News. But, so
0: if you have so, it,
1: yeah, we're going to <laughs> we'll redo the book.
0: We're going to redo the book.
1: So, you know, I took a lot of inspiration for him, and I wrote quite a lot of stories about the people that I would meet on cruises and also do video of them. And in fact, there is one guy, and his name is Bagus Gunawan, and I did a story on him. Um, Basically, it was a series that started back in uh, 2000 or so. It was called uh, One of a Few Good Men, and I interviewed uh, three guys who were working on a one-star One's name was Ray one's name was Jerry, and one's name was Bagus. And I said, you know, what are your hopes, dreams, and aspirations? And they all told me. And uh, so I went back seven years later, and I said, well, you know, I tried to find each one of them. And I said, did you, you know, did it happen, what your hopes, dreams, and aspirations were? And uh, for Ray, I couldn't find Ray. Ray had apparently gone back to the Philippines to live. For Jerry, uh, it had. He had put his kids through college. He had uh, bought a store for his wife, uh, and he had sort of settled his retirement. And uh, for Bagus, Bagus had wanted to go back to Bali, his home, and start a a guest house. And he was fortunate enough to do that, except the Bali bombings, and I forget what year that was. The Bali bombings basically ruined his business, tourism to Bali, so he had to go back to work on the ship. Well about 2 weeks ago I I looked up this place that Bagus told me he was gonna start and in fact did start and I didn't you know know if he was back working there or whatever and I wrote him and sure enough he wrote me back and it was such a pleasant reunion he writes me hey old friend you know please come to Bali you know I can't wait to see you again and he did go back and he got off the ships got went back to Bali and he's running this beautiful guest house, this bed and breakfast. That's like a mini resort. And, uh, so the people were really important to me during my career so far in, in the cruise industry.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think that you, we, we do talk about people a lot between the two of us because that's something that we really enjoy about travel. And I want to look back at something that you said earlier, and then I'll kind of circle back to people when, when i said that you know you kind of incorporate all of these elements of travel into cruising and focusing through the lens of cruising but really that's something that we appreciate about cruising is that we like being on board we like that experience but at the end of the day when you're getting off the ship and you're going off and doing your own thing you're getting that, that a similar travel experience to what you would get with any other sort of mode of travel um whether you're staying in a hotel and so i think that it is interesting just again to put the emphasis on that like maybe you didn't want to do cruising, but I think that that gives a unique um, perspective because you do focus on all these elements and you do focus on these people. And when we're talking about people as well, you know, I, both of us have this immense desire, I guess, to help people. And, um, and so not only do we form relationships with people on the ships and, and, uh, the staff on the ships and, you know, captains and, and whatever it may be, but also with the people that we meet and then with this community that you've started with Avid Cruiser. And it is a community and there are so many people who, as I mentioned at the beginning of this, have been following you for a long time and know you and have come to us and written for us. And, you know, I think that the the focus on that sense of of working with people is interesting as well. So why did you feel a need to start kind of this resource to help people? Because I think that that's a huge part of it for you.
1: Yeah, well, you know, obviously, um, you know, it became a way to make a living. It was very hard to figure out how to monetize. Uh, You know, the magazine was easy to monetize, because you go to a cruise line and you say, "Will you put an ad in this magazine. And also the the, the, sort of the uh, model for that was that the travel agents, travel agents, they would they would pay a subsidized price for the magazine. So they would pay a low price for the magazine. We would produce it for them, customize it for them and and mail it for them. And the cruise lines would you know, they would put in money as well. So, you know, we didn't make a fortune at that, or else I might be retired. I'd probably still be doing this to be honest, but, but, you know, we were able to make a living at it. So, um, y- y- so that was the, that was sort of the business model behind it. So the, the, the digital era, that was, that presented its own challenges. Like how do you monetize that? How do you monetize information that you're putting out, you know, because you, you can't really charge the reader for it. So, you know, how how do you do that? You know, how do you make money in the business? And it is a business. It costs a lot to have the, the, the website, the servers, you know, the host for the websites, so just keeping up with the content, keeping it up to date. I mean, you know how you're beginning to see how much work it is. You know what it costs to produce a video. I mean, it's incredible, you know the amount of money you think about you have to spend money to go to Europe and you go to a port and you're filming and then you've got editors and then you have to buy royalty free music. It's really expensive, yeah, so the business model for that became you know I thought, well, why don't I just do what NPR does you know our our national public television as well, why don't I just go for sponsors? That way, I'm not. Um, and this was particularly true on the river cruise site. Uh, the The avid cruiser has never been. It's never been a great money maker. We do this. This has been a passion project, really. On the river cruise site, we were able to, uh, because they're small and they're not publicly held companies, we were able to go directly to the personalities, the owners of these cruise lines, and say, "Look, I'm going to start a river cruise site." On um, You know, we're going to we're going to be an advocate for your industry and all of this. And would you sponsor? And then once and the first one, I don't mind saying this was Alma waterways. Once they said yes, of course, you know, the others had to say yes, because they all wanted to be a part of part of it. That took away our our biases. I mean, naturally, you know, we've got uh, sponsors, so we might talk a bit more about them. But basically it removed bias because we're able to report about cruise companies that aren't aren't sponsors. We don't have any real, you know, these companies are supporting us and they're pretty hands off. You know, they don't demand that we write this or that or that we write favorably about them or whatever. Uh, And and if you look at our water levels page, I mean, there's a lot of.
0: Negative a lot of problems. people talking about
1: who, yeah, who they like and they don't like and all this stuff. And, you know, we, you know, we're just running a, you know, the idea has always been like, let's provide the resources to help people make informed travel decisions. And I don't say cruise, I say travel decisions because this is travel. It's not just a cruise to me. And, and this is going back to what you said earlier, Um uh, I feel like that you use the cruise ship, you know, the big ships are like a floating resort. The small ships are like a floating boutique hotel. But it's your it's your duty to make it the type of trip you want to be. And for me, I'm going to go way back to the bicycling. When I'm on the rivers, I'm cycling. I'm cycling so much that I have made cruise companies mad because I didn't write about their shore excursions. I wrote about the great bike trip I did. One of the best days I've ever had cycling from Passau to Lenz. And I, and so, but you have to make it your own. You have to make the trip your own. You can't have this FOMA, the fear of missing out. You've got to have the JOMA, that the would joy be, of missing that out. That
0: would be FOMO.
1: FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. The fear of missing out. Out. <laughs> I was doing the German fear <laughs> of missing aus. Uh, or, but you've got to have the JOMO, the joy of missing out. So you just make it your own and don't feel like you're going to be, you know, missing something. But anyway, I digressed a little bit there, but I think it's all the same topic, I think.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it is interesting to to hear your experiences, you know, on cruises and, and the fact that you were able to do, you know, maybe the bike ride that you mentioned I think that we really encourage that with our readers as well. And you do talk about the joy of missing out and, you know, kind of being able to use your, your cruise vacation to suit your own needs. And that's something that we talk about a lot. And I think I use that saying maybe too much is that, you know, I want to help you create a a cruise that's going to work for you and, you're able to kind of customize it to suit your needs. And I think that that's kind of the end goal of here is for yeah. us to be able to help people do that.
1: It is so easy to get stressed, especially on a river cruise when you have a lot of excursions because they're all paid for. And unlike the ocean cruise industry where, uh, very few cruise lines Regent, for example, includes the excursions, not all of them, but some and Viking as well will include one. but, You know, on a river cruise, I mean, you've got, you're looking at a list of a whole lot of excursions, you know, and you're thinking, oh boy, you know, and you, you get up in the morning, there's an excursion, you come back for lunch, after lunch, there's an excursion, there might be a nighttime excursion, you've got your bikes out there, you feel like you need to go ride those to gym, et cetera, et cetera. It's easy to come back home exhausted unless you just adopt this mentality like, I'm just going to like make this my own vacation. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm not gonna Even though there are 10 short excursions offered, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to go ride my bike and sit in a cafe along the river. You, You have to, you have to do that, you know, to avoid getting stressed out sometimes.
0: It's easier said than done when we are not the ones paying for these vacations. Because yeah. I do think that a lot of the times, okay, well, anyway, we're getting off topic, but I do think a lot of the times that when you're paying for them, you do feel a need to do everything because you've paid for it. Um, yeah. But yes, and, I mean.
1: And that is something that a lot of people probably don't know or need to understand. We do talk about this on the site. You know, we're always, the, the way the cruise industry works with the media is that we're always invited either on press trips. Or we're invited on what they call individual press trips when we'll go on a ship for the purposes of a review. And we try to disclose that everywhere in every article. Uh, but And I know I disclosed it on the site that that's, that's the way we work. Now, sometimes we have to pay our air. Most times we have to pay our air. And, you know, it's, uh, it's not a free cruise. Trust me. It's, uh, a, free, a free cruise can end up costing you several, you know, or at least a few thousand dollars. You know not several thousand like it might someone else, but we do work for it too, as I said, we go back we you know this is an expensive business to run, and uh when most people get off the ship, you know they're done we've got you know ten stories to write, two videos to produce, et cetera, et cetera
0: yeah, and I guess i we do need to wrap up, but I want to ask one more question you know we've talked a lot about how you got here and why you're doing what you're doing and and how that all started. But recently we've redone the avid cruiser site. And so I want to just kind of figure out where the site is headed and how avid cruiser is going to advance and proceed.
1: Yeah, well, River Cruise Advisor got a whole lot of love, and it shows in the traffic and the popularity of that site and all. And Avid Cruiser was kind of the neglected stepchild there for a little bit. But um, to to switch metaphors, (laughs) now it's time to get back in the garden, you know, and that's what we've done. You know, we're working on that site to modernize it and to, um, and really it needed some serious updating and that sort of thing. But, you know, hopefully we're, you know, we're getting back in the game. Uh, it is a different um, site than it was a few years ago because now it is this father-daughter team, you know, uh, and, you know, we'll still, I mean, still the same mission, you know, in, uh, you know, inform resources so you can make informed travel decisions. But, you uh, instill personal stories, you know, that's what people, they, they tend, they seems like they enjoy our experiences, you know, that's what they want to know. Um, so I'll be doing, well, this may have aired by then, but you know, I'll I'll be doing a Galapagos cruise and we're going to, we're going to do more, you know, more cruising so that we can get people what they want. Yeah. Basically.
0: Yeah. So take time to look at the new site as well, because you just made a video about how to choose your cruise and, all that. So there are a lot of good resources over there.
1: And equally as important, tell us what we're doing well and what we're not doing well. It's yes, we, please. you know, we, we rely on the community as you say.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks dad. I guess next week will be my turn for you to interview me. I don't know that I'll have yeah. as much to say. I did not bicycle across the United States, but, uh, but there is still your first time. Cruise.
1: You did your first cruise when you were nine months old, so you won't remember that, but I will prompt you along with that story. Well, Dad, I just want Uh, to
0: tell you, I'm going to take a little bit of time off work because I'm just going to bike to California.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you're not in the logging industry, so I know you'll be back.
0: Okay, thanks for joining me.
1: Okay, thank you.